Welcome to Pet Will Radio, a unique show about amazing animals and inspirational people. With your host, author, animal advocate, and attorney, Peggy Hoyt. Hello and welcome. You are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Bryan and MyPetWill.com. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Each show, we explore options and alternatives for creating a lasting legacy for your pet. During the show, if you have any questions or comments, you can chat with us live at MixLR.com forward slash PetWill. You can also find us on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats and on Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats. So today on our show, we have a special guest, Juliet Whitfield, a certified professional dog trainer and founder of Tales from the Road. Welcome, Juliet. We're excited to have you on the show. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I really appreciate it, and I'm uh, excited to talk. Well, that's great, and um, I'm just going to tell the listeners that uh, you and I met at an organization called Women in the Pet Industry back in uh, the fall out in Portland, Oregon, and uh, Juliet does something very, very cool. She has this website called talesfromtheroad.com where she talks about all of her adventures of traveling with her dogs. So, Juliet, tell us a little bit about yourself and then how you got involved with both dog training and then Tales from the Road. Yeah, you got it. Um, well, let's see. I, uh, I lived in uh, Colorado for a long, long time in the mountains of southwest Colorado in Telluride and Durango. And uh, when I moved to Durango, I, um, I, I had a very challenging Jack Russell named Minnie, and, and Minnie drove me to become a dog trainer, which was fantastic. She taught me so much. So I went out to school on the East Coast uh, for, to a dog training school and, and then uh, continued my education uh, going to many, many, many uh, seminars uh, and classes on dog training and then started uh, teaching classes in, in Durango, just, uh, family dog training classes, really just helping people um, you know, communicate with their dogs and be able to, you know, live live peacefully with their dogs. It was always my mission. So I taught a lot, a lot of classes, a lot of privates, uh, puppy socials every week um, with my business Durango Dogs in Durango. And then I um, I just really kind of got a wild hair and decided to um, um, hit the road after uh, being in Durango eight years. So. I'd been in that area a really long time and uh, wanted to go and, and see the country. And so I um, got a little little, little uh, motorhome and, and got my two pups, and we hit the road and been traveling now for two years. So. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. Tell us a little bit about your pups. Yeah, so I've got a, a Jack Russell who is a rescue from a shelter, and uh, um, he's Mick, and, um, and his nickname is Mick Wagger. And um, he's a he's a really great dog. He's not super super uh, crazy, Jack Russell. And I do I do make sure we get the proper exercise every day. I think that's the key to a happy, high energy dog. <laughs> and then I have a little Romeo, and his mom was a foss pulled out of a shelter and uh, ended up pregnant. And I got volunteered to have babies. 
five years ago, and Romeo came along, and I said, 50 times, I am not keeping one of these dogs. He's too small. And uh, and I did, and he's he's the love of my life. So um, somebody else named him Romeo, and he, you know, he stuck. And, um, yeah, so he's he's the perfect dog. I was telling Peggy earlier, he's he's the Bo- he's like a Buddhist. He's very calm and wise and uh, good with all beings. So it's he's pretty he's pretty awesome. You can kind of see that in his face from the picture on your website. He looks like yeah. a very old soul. Yes, exactly. That's what I say about him. He's like an old soul. He's just he's very wise and calm. And how much does he weigh? Because he looks absolutely tiny. He's ten pounds. Oh, okay. So he's actually uh, thicker, you know. He's he's not a skinny jackal. And he is a mutt. He's not a full chihuahua. Um, and then Mick is about 16 pounds, so, yeah. Okay, so two perfect-sized dogs for traveling in a motorhome. It's it's nice. You know, I've had medium-sized dogs uh, most of my life, and somehow we, I started downsizing. And it's, uh, you know what, I will say this, it's just, it's just a little bit easier uh, small dogs can have a little more freedom out there in the world, and um, they're, uh, I have a small motorhome, so it's, it's nice then it'll take up too much space. Yes, and they probably like to snuggle as well. They do. They do. So um, Minnie did not scare you off from the uh, Jack Russell breed, I see. Well, it's true. I know. I had Minnie, and, and, and then, you know, when I found positive reinforcement dog training, um, that really turned Minnie around. So as I started educating myself, Minnie got much better. And I, I pet that in my house. So that was like the, that was a huge part of my education was having six to ten dogs in my house every day, hiking off leash in the mountains um, every day, so, and, and different dogs every week. So that was where I learned so much. And Minnie was actually amazingly tolerant of that situation, wasn't her favorite. So having all those dogs, but yeah, so she did get a lot better, but she, you know, she was, um, she was a dog who, uh, you know, she had a lot to say. And, uh, I always said, if you asked her to do something, many would say, well, why don't you write that down and I'll get back to you a week in a week and I'll let you know <laughs> if I can, if I can do that for you. So, uh, you know, they're all different. They're also different with their personalities, and Minnie had a big, big personality. So, <laughs> Well, I have a little Minnie Dachshund at the moment, and I have to yeah. say she's a pretty big personality for an eight-pound dog. Right. Dachshunds, dachshunds are that way for sure. Yeah, they're fun. And, uh, yeah, I write her letters, and she never gets back to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> She just dismisses that request right out of hand. Right, right. Like, I, I'm sorry. I cannot do that for you. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Um, well, you know, it is fun for dog lovers to talk about their dogs. And uh, I'm sure you meet a lot of people on the road that also have dogs. Absolutely. Yeah, like over over 60% of RVers, I'm a full-time RVer uh, traveling around, and so over 60% of our viewers have dogs. And, um, and you know, um, my mission is to, to really work with people who, who want to get out with their dogs and do things. Not, not all do, so that's fine. Um, but, yeah, there's um, all, in the, all different kinds of dogs. Lots of small dogs, but then there's lots of big dogs. I know uh, our, some of our that have Great Danes, so, you know. Wow, those Whatever. people are brave, right? The brave, 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 yes. Yeah. So what's the best part about RVing full-time? You know, just changing your backyard. 
Yeah. Your house your house always stays the same. You've got all your you know, your accoutrements, you've got all everything that makes you comfortable. And then you just get to change your backyard. And that's that's what's really great, you know. After a couple of weeks I'm like, Ah, we've hiked everything around here, let's go somewhere different. Okay. So, um it's um you know, and, and you know, meeting people, connecting with people and um yeah, that's and just hearing everybody's stories, it's uh yeah, it's very, very interesting and uh, can be overwhelming for sure. You know, think about when you when you go on trips, it um, can be really overwhelming. When I'm traveling a lot, you know, and, and and going to new places, it's it's a lot of work that planning and traveling and, um, but you know, it's always worth it. So, and it's nice too. Like in the winter now, I'm I'm a little more stationary. I'm not moving around as much. I'll be in Arizona through through the end of March and. I'm going to stay for a full month in Tucson in an RV park, my favorite RV park. Oh, so wow. I'm excited about that. Yeah, so, so the way you describe it is that you sound a little bit like a turtle taking their home with them on their back. <laughs> right, definitely. So what's definitely. the worst part about it? What is the worst part? It's a good question. Um, you know, sometimes uh, it feels like when you're just packing up and, and uh, having to, you know, do you know do all the moving and get everything everything back put in its place you know every time you which is a good thing in one way but you know sometimes it's just that seems like a lot of work um the bad thing is sometimes you get into a place you just don't like you know and then of course you can leave um what else yeah i, I guess there's downsides of you know doctors getting my hair done that's a that's tough Oh, there That's you really go. Tough. That's a tough one. Um, yeah, so. That's why they the invented fast, fantastic Sam's or uh, <laughs> brake clips. There you go. <laughs> I haven't ventured in one of those yet. You don't but even need an appointment. <laughs> it's why I just grew my bangs out so I don't have to get them cut anymore. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, so right now you mentioned you're in Arizona. Tell our listeners where you are. Well, this is an interesting little place called Quartzsite, Arizona. And to tell you the truth, I had heard little little snippets about Quartzsite years ago. And it started off, it's a town of like 3,600 people. And it's off I-10 near the California border, southern part of the state. And um, it's pretty. you got you got deserty mountains. You've you got greenery in the desert, which is nice. And so it's, it's, it's quite attractive. A lot of rocks here. Amazing rocks. So many years ago, the Rockhounds created a rock and gem, gem and mineral show here. And that's been going on for like, I don't know, 30 or 40 years. And RVers started coming in because that was, there's not many hotels here. So RVers were coming in to do the rock and, and uh, rock shows. And then it became an RV, it came, a, it just became a gathering place. It's kind of like Burning Man for old people is kind of the way I put it. So, all in all directions of the little town, you can stay in a desert for two weeks. It's it's uh, operated by the BLM Bureau of Land Management, and uh, you can stay for free for two weeks. And so every group in the RV world has representation here. So you have to find you know. So there's all kinds of groups uh, groups for different kinds of motorhomes or singles groups. There's Groups that are into ham radios. There's, I just, I mean, literally everything. Um, 
And so, and then in town, there's just a tremendous, the in town is an entire ginormous flea market. Then there's a big RV tent that's up right now that's got all um, many, many, many RV vendors. And, and you can buy and sell, and you can buy and sell RVs here. Tons and tons of art. Like many people come here to get a deal on an RV. So it's just this huge melting pot gathering place for the month of January. And that's the kind of the big time. And um, so, yeah, I just had a dog rally with my my club, and now I'm going to go over to a group called the Escapers, and they are um, part of the Escapee Club. And they're um, everybody, anybody that's working still. So we're sharing technology, information, and um, you know, so much of equipment we, had, we we put on our rigs, we put on cell phone boosters, we put on things called a Wi-Fi ranger that will help boost a Wi-Fi signal when you're in an RV park. Um, there's a, yeah, there's just a tremendous amount of uh, things to figure out to enhance your experience on the road. Okay, and you call this boondocking because it's uh, dry camping. Right. What does that mean? Dry camping. So that means you're just, you are literally just parked. So, so you don't have any power and you don't have any, you know, you're not hooked up to power, water, or anything. So, you know, an RV has tanks. So you, you know, you fill up your water and you have your, your, your gray and black water tanks uh, empty when you show up for dry camping. So I came into town today and went to a place, dumped the tanks, filling the water, got the propane filled, and now I'm good for another 10 days. Okay. So now, I'll do you pull a motorcycle or a car or anything with I you? I pull a car. Yeah, I have a little Mini Cooper. Yeah, okay. So I, I tow that um, um, called four, four Down. That You know, the, all the wheels are on the ground rolling. So it's very easy to uh, connect and disconnect that. So, um, you know, that's, that's easy. The, the downside, though, when you're towing a car is you cannot back up. So oh. Everybody... Everybody should know that when they see a motorhome towing a car that's that's rolling behind them, they cannot back up. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's well, that's kind of like me driving a motorhome pulling a horse trailer. I mean, if I had the skill, I could back up, but for the most part, <laughs> right. I don't back up. Right. Right. So, um, yeah. Although I no, did, I, I have to admit, I figured out a little system for myself on backing up, and I was even able to teach it to a friend who, when I arrived at a camping site one day, she was in tears because she was having a terrible time backing up her RV and um, with her horse trailer attached. And her husband ha was yelling at her on the phone, trying to, you know, explain how to do it. And um, ultimately, and I, I have this belief that men just come pre-wired for backing things yeah. up. Yeah, and, um, sure. and so I had figured out this silly little system for myself and I told it to her and I have to say she has never, ever had a problem backing up her RV since then. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Backing up trailers is a skill for sure. So, uh, yeah, us gals have to stick together in that regard. Um, yeah. I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian and MyPetWill.com. Today we're talking with Juliet Whitfield. She's a certified professional dog trainer and the founder of Tales from the Road, a website and blog and membership organization Tell us about the membership, Juliet. Yeah, so I really launched the Take Your Dog Along Club this year. And, I, you know, the reason why 
I started the club was I was with another group camped in the desert um, year before last, and all of a sudden I realized the group was was not very dog friendly. They they told us not to bring the dogs to anything. The dogs weren't really even allowed on the hikes. Um, we could go and do a dog walk in the morning, but that was it our, on our own. So I thought to myself, why? why? Why are we out here in the middle of the desert and we can't bring our dogs anywhere? And then my friend, Georgia, says, hey, why don't you start your own club? And I thought, hmm, that's a good idea. So um, I had already had the blog going and, you know, my former dog training experience, I thought, you know, this is needed in this community and uh, really wasn't a dog focus anywhere in the RV community. So... That's what I've created, and um, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. We just had our first rally here this past weekend, and um, it, it's amazing how dogs all kind of meld together and get along. We had 11 dogs, and we hiked together, and we hung out together at the camp, and they all did amazing. And that's my my vision is more more of these get-togethers, maybe some traveling together. I'm dying to go to Alaska in a couple of years, and I would love to go with some dog people who. You know, the problem is, is when you when you have people that aren't pet or dog people, they're not they're not thinking what it takes. You know, each you know, I look at each day and go, how do I take care of myself, my work, and my dogs? And you know, people that don't have dogs, they don't really have that in their mix of thinking about, oh, we got to walk the dogs, or what are we going to do with the dogs with this? So, I'm I'm hoping we'll have some traveling trips together with with dogs and RVs and. Um, and then some advocacy. Uh, there's a lot of breed bands now in the RV parks. That's a real problem for people. And I think there's just some lack of information out there. Um, a lot of RV parks also call themselves dog-friendly when they're really not. So I'm really going to be working on advocating for appropriate facilities for, for dogs in, in parks. So when an RV park says it is dog-friendly, but then it's not, what kind of experience is that for you? Well, it's just, it, it makes you feel like um, you're, hmm, you're bad for having a dog. You know, it's how, you, you know, it's an uncomfortable feeling when, you know, there's a sign on every tree. Don't, don't let your dog, you know, get near any of this stuff. And you have to walk, you know, there are RV parks that say walk your dog down the middle of the road. And then they'll literally have a posted stamp dirt, you know, dog park, they call it, for your dog to go to the bathroom. And you, sometimes you got to walk there and it's a quarter, quarter mile. And, you know, it's, you know, we had dogs have to go. So they're, you know, so people will say they're dog friendly because they, what they're saying is we allow dogs. Right. There, right. So there's a difference. Um, of having facility, you know, places where the dogs can relieve themselves and um, decent-sized dog parks. Um, I always look for, you know, sometimes there's an RV park, but then there's a big city park next to it, you know, and that works for me. I can get on a path. I can go to the city park. and um, So, or there's, or there's trails nearby. My favorite place in Tucson is on, just backs up to this amazing desert with many many trails that you can walk and bike on um they also have they also have two two dog parks in the park they have a washing station um and and they you know allow dogs everywhere except the building so that is a truly dog friendly place i would say well and i would think that if 60 percent of our viewers have dogs that more parks would actually be actually dog friendly 
I, I, I would agree. Yes. And so I think, you know, people that don't have dogs don't really know what that means. People that do have dogs, they get it. And so then they build it. Right, you know? right. And what about cats? How many RVers have cats? You know, I don't know, but a lot. I, I have started taking pictures of, ca- I call them cat accommodations. It's really cute, the things people do to have. Some will have their cats out on a tie-out. You know, they'll have the, the cat on a harness and a tie-out. Okay. Um, you'll, see, you'll see that some. There are some that let their cats out. Um, yeah, they do, you know. That's uh, their decision. And then there's some that they'll make these uh, cages that will attach to a window. And so the cat can be out in the, in the cage. And um, some of those are really cool. And then some like, you know, a big fifth wheel is a big trailer. Yep. And they have, those, they have these bottom storage compartments. And I've seen uh, several that will put a great, open the, the storage compartment door. They have a grate in front of it. And they've made a pass-through from the, the RV into that, that um, storage compartment. And the cat can sit there and watch things out through the grate. I like so that. So that's pretty yeah. cool. That is cool. cool. But there really are quite a few cats. Um, And some people have even made their cat boxes that way, too, where they make a pass-through into, they have the cat box into a storage compartment, and then they can clean the storage or the cat box from the outside, which is pretty smart. Oh, yeah, that sounds really cool, too. That's really, yeah. You've got to have room for that, but um, that's a pretty cool setup. But there's actually quite a few cats. Um, Yeah, I've never seen a number on that, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty neat. Well, that sounds like fun. The, um, I noticed that you said that, uh, Mick is uh, cat friendly, so, um, he probably enjoys meeting a cat or two on the trips. He, he, he is. And he, he, um, you know, it's funny. I ran into some people when I, when I first started out about two years ago, I was down in Tucson and these people had a cat and they had just gotten it from a shelter and they put it on a tie out and Mick and that cat were in love. It was unbelievable. They were just mooching up to each other they were getting all tangled up like dogs do in the tie outs it was so funny and i ran into those people i'm like we have to get our cat and dog together (laughs) they knew each other from another life exactly maybe maybe well what is one of your favorite uh dog friendly uh rv parks to go to places yeah um well my you know this favorite park i'm going to in tucson is called desert trails and uh, it's an old water park so it's kind of funky it's not like this perfectly laid out park but um they the guy that owns it is just he works so hard to make just a great park they have they bring in food trucks he has music every week it's a bit of a younger crowd great hiking right out of the park there's there's just people going hiking and biking every day and just tons of activities going on so i'm looking forward to staying there a month but um you know my favorite my favorite place is the oregon coast and, oh um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard to pick one spot, but um, uh, I I can't say enough about the dog friendliness of the Oregon coast. For one thing, the coast, all the Oregon coast is owned by the state, so nothing is blocked. You have access everywhere. Um, the southern coast is 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 more quiet, but the whole the whole coast, you can have your dogs off leash if you have control over your dogs. Um, and you can call them, and they're not harassing anything or anybody, um, you can have them off leash. And it's amazing. And, you know, most of the times, you know, unless you're right in a city, if you just go out of a little town, you get on a beach, and there's just nobody there. 
and they're beautiful. And the, and, and the beaches, they vary. Some are rocky, some are sandy. Um, some have the big hoodoo, big rocks, and it's, um, it's nirvana. It's really, really amazing. Um, and all the towns are extremely dog-friendly. So I would say anywhere on the Oregon coast, you just can't beat it for an amazing dog vacation. That sounds great. Now, have you been to all the national parks with your dogs? No, 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 no. No, no, you know, I'm not a national parks girl. Um, oh, you're not? I'm not. It's not so fun with dogs. You can't, you can't have dogs. Um, I did go to Yosemite this fall just for a day. I had come in from the eastern side. And, uh, you know, I, I have spent, you know, I spent 33 years in southwest Colorado, so... A lot of national parks around me, but um, it's, uh, you know, they're very crowded, and um, you cannot have your dogs other than sometimes right on the sidewalk. So Okay, good not, to know. They're not, yeah, they're not, there's a few, there are a few, and some of the, there are a few monuments in, that will allow you to have um, a dog here or there, and, um, but a lot of, especially the big ones, no, no dogs, yeah. No dogs okay. anywhere that you really would be fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I see on your website, um, talesfromtheroad.com, that you have uh, a listing of good RV parks for dogs and not so <laughs> dog-friendly RV parks. Right. Yeah. I uh, I did hit one this last year. It just set me off. They had just just acres and acres of grass, and obviously the guy that owned it was obsessed with his grass, and he just. He just literally had about a hundred signs in the park that said, "Don't let your dog, you know, go potty anywhere." <laughs> so it was like, you have all this grass, you have nowhere for the dogs to be, and yeah, it was it was odd. That's that's an example of not so dog friendly, you know, when you when they're saying they are. So. Okay, well there you yeah. go. So um, yeah, you don't want to you don't want to end up on your not so friendly dog park list. Um, so I would encourage those RV park owners to pay attention. <laughs> there you go. So um, you are a dog trainer, and do you train dogs on the road? I do, I do. Um, yeah, and I just kind of set it. I just set up a new program where I'm doing some um, talks in RV parks and then setting up training sessions. And um, I just set up uh, with some people here that I met in Courtside. I'm going to do some trainings in their uh, and talks and trainings in their homeowners association over in Phoenix. Oh, so that's going to be super fun. Um, yeah, that but, sounds great. Yeah, so I I do have. Um, some training times actually loaded up. I don't think I've made those public on my site yet. That you can, you know, you can purchase like a 15-minute session, a half-hour session, an hour session. I and, do see um, that on your site, actually. Oh, okay, I did make it public. So you have good. done it, yes. Good. So, so, so yeah. yeah, folks are listening and they, uh, they need help from a professional dog trainer. You can always contact Juliet through her website at talesfromtheroad.com and, uh, and get a little bit of help. Um, Juliet, I uh, recently um, took on the responsibility of one of my client's dogs, and um, it was a situation where um, she uh, purchased a dog for an extraordinary amount of money that uh, they claimed the dog had 1,100 hours of training. Oh, wow. And, um, okay. and this gal is a quadriplegic in a wheelchair, and... Um, oh. Believed in her heart that a dog that came with 1,100 hours of training could probably right. easily um, 
become additionally trained and become a service dog. And um, oh, so so it wasn't trained as a service dog. It was not trained as a service dog, but had all of this so-called foundational training. And okay. um, and as it turns out, this dog um, was not suited uh, to be a service dog or a therapy dog or um, anything other than a lovely pet um, because she's got very very high anxiety. And I know oh, that wow. you say on your site that anxiety is one of those common dog problems. It is. And it's, it's so, I mean, so there you go. I mean, problem, something must have happened. Either it could have been genetic. You know, there's all the nature versus nurture, and we never know where something comes from. It could, it could have been genetic. Um, it also could have been that, you know, the early socialization of a puppy is two weeks to 16 weeks. And it is unbelievably so important that the dogs have these great, great experiences and a lot of experiences in that time period. And puppies that have no experiences in that time period, then some will develop that, like, anxiety over everything because they didn't get it in that early time. So it's hard to say what could have happened to that dog. Um, you know, know the whole story. There might, there might, things might have happened. Maybe bad things happened. Maybe they didn't. Could have been. So it's either it's a lack of experience or something, some bad things happened. And the dog has all this anxiety. A dog with a lot of anxiety, you're right, is not a good service dog. You know, it's one of the things I was just talking with my group with this past weekend. When we see somebody in a grocery store and they've got a dog who they've slapped on a service dog vest, and the dog's looking all, you know, nervous, that is not a service dog. Right. The service dog has been selected because they have this easygoing nature. They've been exposed to everything a thousand times when they were young. So they can they can do it. So yeah. Yeah. that's so a bummer. She, that, yeah, that she did not get that. Just, yeah, yeah. So she is off at, uh, I'm calling it overnight camp at the moment. Um, Another one of my clients is a uh, dog trainer, and uh, she does a two-week board and train. And so Miss Abby is off at um, her overnight camp. And uh, from what we can see on Facebook, she's having a great time. Oh, good. Well, maybe she can help her and help her, you know, make you know, you can you can turn a lot of things around, or you can make them. You can really make them better. But people don't realize sometimes when they're dealing with a a dog with a difficult situation is 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 you know most times you can at least make the situation better. It can change behavior. We can change our behavior. We can help our dogs change their behavior with positive association. So, you know, I always tell people. I mean, you know, especially if you have a younger dog and you've got an issue that's affecting your lives, it's, it's, it's best to spend some time and work on it because then you, you know, you'll, everybody's going to be having more peace in the future. Absolutely. Yes. And, and Abby's a thousand times better since I started bringing her to the office every day. And she has that constant interaction with a lot of people. And, um, but she is not your typical golden in the sense that most goldens, you know, are real outgoing and gregarious and, um, yeah. She is very kind of shy and doesn't approach people until she really feels comfortable around you. That's interesting. So I, I'm guessing that, that since it's a golden, uh, I'm guessing it's probably some kind of upbringing issue. 
Um, that's what I'm guessing. And um, I think that maybe she was traumatized around um, something to have to do with a motor vehicle or an oh, airplane. Because oh, um, yeah. I actually had her in the back seat of my car one day when I went to pick up a friend at the airport. And I thought she was going to have a nervous breakdown in the car. Oh, poor thing. So, um, and she tends to, she, she, we call her our little ballerina because she spins when she's um, anxious. Oh, that's sort of her coping mechanism. Yep. Yep. Wow. So, uh, it, it's interesting. So, reminding our listeners that you are listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian and MyPetWill.com. So, Juliet, one of the things that we always want to encourage um, our pet owners to think about is making sure that there's a plan for the pet if something happens to them. Um, Absolutely. And, and I'm sure you see that because you're working with a lot of um, folks that are on the road all the time. And, man, weird stuff happens. And a lot of senior folks. So I think, yeah, the My Pet Will is amazing um, product for, for all of us. Um, especially, uh, I will say this, as somebody who's single. I am single. So um, when we don't have a spouse that would, would be able to, you know, jump right in there. So I think that that is an amazing uh, thing, uh, yeah, to be able to, to set up for your pets. I agree. And um, as single people, I think it's important. But even if you're married, I, I do tell folks that you, just because you're married doesn't mean that um, your spouse is necessarily the person to be responsible right. for your pets. Um, right, good point. Good point. I, I have way too many sad stories about um, clients of mine who have passed away assuming that their husband or their wife was going to take care of their pets. And um, oh. the pet really just didn't fit into their future lifestyle. And, oh, wow. um, and so the pet, unfortunately, became, um, you know, kind of part of that whole tragedy of, of losing right. that loved one. And, um, you know, I have three horses and seven dogs and three cats. And wow. um, although I know my husband would, um, you know, bend over backwards to take care of those animals... I cannot predict what could happen to him in the future um, mm -hmm. with perhaps, you know, a future lady in his life who may not be as uh, horse, dog, and cat crazy as I am. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. So I think even people with the very best intentions, you know, they'll tell their spouse, absolutely, I'm going to take care of the dogs or I'm going to take care of the cats. And, and then just due to a variety of factors, it just doesn't really work out. So I think even if you choose your spouse as your first backup, you better have a second or a third in mind. Right. Right. And, and I hear from a lot of people, too, that are single or who are older who say, well, I just don't have anybody. And, and I really encourage folks to um, develop relationships specifically for that purpose. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So like-minded folks. So, you know, you run into a lot of like-minded people um, in your travels. And, and certainly um, you could build a network of people that would uh, be more than willing to take on somebody else's pet as a full-time responsibility. Yeah. Except you probably aren't signing up for my crew, are you? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you, Three horses what do you mean? and seven dogs oh, and three cows. No. No, 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 I'd no. I, I, I'll come stay for a couple of weeks and take care of them. But that, yep. 
See, so you'd be a good short-term person, but not necessarily the long-term person. That's right. Other things to think about. So tell me me a silly dog story, Juliet. A silly dog story? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, well, okay, I'm going to tell you a real, of, of one about Minnie. Okay. Minnie, my former Jack Russell was, um, there are a lot of Minnie stories because, um, she, as one friend said, she said, that dog's like a cartoon character. I'm like, yeah, you're right. She's uh she was a nut job. So one day I just had Minnie. I'd had pre- previously had Border Collies and they had passed on and I just had Minnie. And I stopped at the Pagosa Springs, Colorado, uh, Little Visitor Center. And she, I knew she needed to go to the bathroom, so I'm like, well, I'm going to let her off leash. And she wasn't one to take off. And I'm uh, just in this little little area. And uh, there's an iron, there's a metal fence. And on the other side of the metal fence that you, that you can see through, um, you know, like nice iron uh, vertical bars. And on the other side of that is the hot springs area with many pools. Minnie loves water. She sees that, and she runs through the fence into the hot springs and jumps in a pool full of people. Oh. Like a a hot tub. She jumps in there. I can't get over there. I'm on the other side of the fence. And, of course, I'm horrified. You know, I'm like, I'm just, you know. I want to crawl in a rock, but I've got to get this dog back. And finally, here comes this little kid. He's about 10 years old. And, and I look at him. I go, hey, buddy, can you go get that little white dog and pluck her out of that pool and then bring her back to me? And sure enough, he did. And I got her back. But um, they were all the people in the pool were laughing, uh, fortunately. But, um, yeah, that little mini, boy, she was, she was something. That is a good one. Yeah, they the the minute you think you have them completely under control, they'll do something you don't expect. I know. They're, dogs are always surprising me. So uh, yeah. Keep so another toes. another thing I love, Juliet, about your site, TalesFromTheRoad.com, is um, a section on the site called Stuff We Love. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you have a really cool thing on there that I had never seen before called Rapsit, the Clever Crate. What is that thing? Rapsit, it was was uh, formed by uh, two gals, uh, sisters, they're sisters, and um, they were going to all these events, and they would take the, the foldable, classical foldable chair that, you know, you put in a bag and carry, Yep. and they were like, there's got to be a better way to contain our dogs. And so they developed this soft-sided crate that... Um, you you put on the chair. It takes about ten minutes. You put it on and then you leave it on. You don't and and it's a, it, it it makes the bottom of the crate a um a, or bottom of the chair a crate. And my dogs love it. I throw a I squish a bed in there and my both of my dogs get in there. I took the chair over to a different group to a campfire one night and as it got dark they were kind of the dogs were done hanging out. And, and I just put them on the ground, and they crawled right in that little crate. It was unbelievable. And so then when you, when you fold the chair up, it has straps, and it just makes its own little case. And then you just carry it that way. You don't ever put it back in the bag. Okay. It's super slick and um, wraps it. There is an, um, an affiliate, affiliate link and a discount on my site. And, um, yeah, but these two gals, they work so hard 
uh, bringing that product to market. And um, it's, I think it's just amazing. Everybody's been looking at it. And I'll just set it out now around at night, and uh, my dogs will get into it when they're tired of being, being out and about. I, I could see that being a very useful thing, and yeah. um, I'll have to introduce it to my uh, horse camping friends who everybody who camps with their horses tends to bring dogs. Right, and, um, right. And I did not know that dry camping was called boondocking. We always just called it <laughs> primitive camping. Oh, you um, called it primitive camping. Okay. Yeah. Okay, good. But, uh, no, I like that idea. Um because, yeah, when you're camping with your horses, believe me, you never have power or water. Right, or right, 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 right. Um, so tell yeah. folks, Juliet, how they can sign up uh, for your blog or your website. So Yeah, so a couple of things. Let's see. You can go to takeyourdogalong.com, and that will take you to a page on the site to uh, sign up for the club. Or just peruse around the talesfromtheroad.com uh, site and see what interests you. We've got a great uh, Facebook group called Take Your Dog Along, and you can ask to join that. Super active group for people. You know, they're not all RVers. Um, some people are just, you know, they're campers or they just like doing, they're active with their dogs. So um, if you're interested, um, you know, ask to join that Facebook group. And, uh, of course, I have a page uh, on Facebook, Tales from the Road. So Instagram also. Uh, well, and I've made my request to uh, join your group, and uh, oh, excellent! I've liked your page, and uh, I've enjoyed talking to you today, Juliet. You I really too. appreciate what you're doing for um, pet people that are traveling on the road with their dogs, because I know the last time I drove back from Virginia, um, we had to stay at a hotel, and. Finding dog-friendly hotels is not always the easiest thing, although it's getting better. And, right. Uh, right. And uh, so, yeah, we usually have two dogs with us when we're driving anywhere, sometimes more, mm. depending. Right. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's nice to know, and it's nice to know that we have your resource, talesfromtheroad.com. Yeah, well, so, thank you for the call. I loved it. I loved talking to you. Well, I love talking to you, too, and I hope to see you in... Uh, in September or October, whenever we're back in Portland, uh, yeah. for the Women in the Pet Industry Network. So if anybody's listening and you're a pet person and you're in the industry and you're a woman, you can join us. And we'd yeah. love to have you. So um, visit Juliet's um, TalesFromTheRoad.com and like her on Facebook and get traveling with your dogs. There you go. Thanks, Peggy. All right. Have a great day. And uh, all right. to all our listeners, thank you. Um, you're listening to All My Children Wear Fur Coats on Pet Will Radio. We are here on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you are welcome to join the conversation on Twitter at Kids in Fur Coats or Facebook at All My Children Wear Fur Coats and MixLR.com forward slash Pet until there are none, please adopt one and happy tales. Thank you for joining us on Pet Will Radio. Visit PetWillRadio.com for updates on shows, links to previous shows, inspirational stories, videos, and more. Until next time, take care. <laughs>